Hey kids, can you guess what time it is? Movie time. Time to eat. I see a Bible and a donut. Yay! Devotions. That's right. Let's learn about God and spend some time in His Word. Welcome kids to Donuts and Devos, where God sprinkles His love on us and feeds our faith. Jesus will lead us and teach us. He will lead us to peace. We are the children that He loves. Jesus. Hi there, and welcome back to Donuts and Devos. I'm Mary Faith, and this is part two of our very special 100th episode celebration. If you were able to catch last week's episode, that was part one. We've asked kids to submit their questions for us to answer as a special format here on Donuts and Devos. We had some great questions that were given to us, and Pastor Glaze is answering them for us. But of course, not before our kids in the studio have a chance to let us know what their answers are first. Do we get to answer more questions today? You bet we do. We weren't quite able to get them all answered on our last episode, so we're gonna finish up with those questions today. First, let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In part one of our special 100th episode celebration here on Donuts and Devos, last week we had questions from Caroline, Daniel, Theo, and Lorelai. And we're just going to jump right into the next set of questions. Our next question has to do with our heavenly beings. This is a question from Maggie, age 11, and she wants to know what is the difference between angels and archangels? Angels and archangels in a couple of ways, are both the same things. They are both the servants of God, but archangels are kind of like the leader angels. God gives them an order, and then they tell the other angels what God said to do. Ah, so we have a hierarchy within our heavenly angels then, do we now? Yeah, I agree. I think they were the leaders of the angels, but not God. No, definitely not the leader of God. I believe God tells the angels and has told them what to do. Pastor Glaze, what is your answer? You know what? I think you guys have it right. The hierarchy of the angels, the archangels being in charge of other angels but not being God, you got it right. Maggie asked a great question, and we'll get some distinction here about the angels. 
Remember, the angels were created at the beginning by God, sometime during those six days of creation. And angels are not God, so we don't worship the angels. The Bible does describe different ranks of angels. The most common are the cherubim and the seraphim, then also the angels and archangels. And angels have different roles, but they are generally considered ministering spirits. They are sent by God to minister to us. They protect us, they share heavenly messages with us, and they serve us as God commands them. They also sing the praises of God in heaven. In fact, the angels even rejoice in heaven when a sinner repents and believes in Jesus. In the Bible, we do hear about two specific angels who did two specific things, and they also have names. The angels Gabriel and Michael. Gabriel, remember him from Christmas, right? God sent him Zechariah and to Mary to announce God's messages about the births of John the baptizer and Jesus. Michael is known as the leader of the armies of the angels of heaven. He led the angelic army in battle against the devil and his evil angels. Michael threw the devil out of heaven when he tried to take over God's throne. So Michael is known as the protector of God's people. Now, while Gabriel is a very important angel because he has a name, Michael is the only angel named an archangel in the Bible. So an archangel is the one who would be first and foremost over and among the other angels. So though God is most certainly the leader of all the angels and has authority over all things, he commands archangels to lead his angels in ministering to us and in protecting us from evil and harm. So you guys got it about right. Good job. God will it love God out from before you, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergeshites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. God will without fail drive out from before you, Joshua 3, verse 10. Yes, yes, I see your hand waving. We have an in-studio question for Pastor Glaze that I guess just popped up. Go ahead. What's your question? How is God here before anything else? Oh, yes. Pastor Glaze talked a little bit about that last time when we had our answer regarding the Trinity. Remember, God is eternal and he has always existed. It's just something we can't understand. But do you have anything else to add, Pastor Glaze? (laughs) Once again, you're asking a question that not even Pastor Glaze can answer because we can't understand. We can only confess what God tells us about himself. Yeah, God was before anything else. God always has been from eternal to eternal. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. We are people who are constrained to time. We have watches on our wrists. We have clocks on our walls. The sun travels across the sky and the moon comes up at night. We have times and seasons and we have years. But God has none of that. He made this all for us. Thanks be to God. Now that also means that on the day of the resurrection from the dead and the life of the world to come, the day when Jesus returns, we will have an eternal day. Life forever just like Jesus is forever, just like God is forever. We too will live forever in heaven with him. And that is a wonderful promise that God gives in Christ Jesus, our Savior. So God always has been, he always will be, and he is always for you. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua.
Israel, Joshua 4.14. So we recently had one of our family pets leave our family. He was extremely old and had a wonderful life with us. But it did spark some conversations about heaven, and our six-year-old son asked the question, where's heaven? We don't exactly have a geographical place where heaven is. Before Pastor Glaze talks to us about that, where do you think heaven is? People think that heaven is just straight up. But if you take it like a rocket ship and just uh, and just go right up into space, you're not going to find it. Because even though God ascended into heaven... You cannot go up to heaven when you're alive. You die, and then you go to heaven. So heaven is kind of like all around us. Mm, Okay. What about you? Where do you think heaven is? Heaven might be above the clouds, but if you go up and you want to see on an airplane, you don't see God or the dead people because you have to be dead. And then you see them when you your spirit rise up. Ah, so your spirit rises up and goes to heaven. That seems closer to, I think, the answer Pastor Glaze is going to give us. <laughs> you guys make me laugh with your answers because they're partially right. Because Jesus did ascend into heaven, didn't he? So yeah, this question is fairly simple to answer, but to understand must be by faith. Heaven is where Jesus is. Let me say that again. Heaven is where Jesus is. After his death and resurrection, Jesus did ascend into heaven. So we like to say heaven is up. And that's partly true because Jesus went up, but then he disappeared as the cloud hid him from the disciples' sight. Now, you said rocket ships have gone up into space. And we've sent airplanes into the sky. And there are satellites even outside of our solar system. And our telescopes can look a long way past even that out into space. But we can't see heaven with our eyes. Heaven is where Jesus is. At the beginning of his public ministry, Jesus preached the words, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is the one bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. He brings it to us. Where he is, where his word is preached, there his, and where his people gather in his name, and where his sacraments are ministered, that's Jesus with us. And when we die, Jesus will take us to be with himself in heaven. On the last day when Jesus returns, we will then finally get to see heaven with our eyes. And what is heaven? It's a new creation where there's no more sin, no more sorrow, no more death. It'll be perfect, just like the Garden of Eden was perfect at creation. And yeah, you know, the prophets talk about the new creation sometimes using the examples of animals, the lion laying down with the lamb, the little child playing over the snake's den, and a bunch of other examples where there are animals in heaven. So, hey, just like in the Garden of Eden, the God made animals for Adam and Eve, and we have animals now, why won't there be animals in heaven? Even Romans 8 says, all of creation waits for the sons of God to be revealed. All creation waits for the day when sin will be no more and heaven is finally revealed and those who belong to Christ Jesus who believe in him will have everlasting life in paradise. That's the day we will see heaven and will live forever with Jesus where he is in heaven. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things.
Joshua 7, 12. Joshua 7, 12. In our last devotion, we had an epiphany devotion. And Elias, age 12, has a question regarding that. And hopefully he got it a little bit answered after listening to our devotion, episode 99. He asks... Why do we call the day the wise men visited Jesus Epiphany? When did we start calling it that? Again, this is from Elias. And you kids happen to remember anything about our Epiphany devotion? Why do we call that day Epiphany? And what does Epiphany mean? I don't really exactly remember because we're really busy a lot of the times. Oh, but we have a hand raising up in the studio. Do you think you know the answer? Epiphany is called Epiphany because it's a special day when the wise men give the gold, frankincense, and myrrh to baby Jesus when he, well, not baby Jesus, Jesus when he was like four. <laughs> well, yes, yes, we know that that's the, the day the wise men visited Jesus. We call it Epiphany. But Elias wants to know why do we call it that? We call it Epiphany because Epiphany means something special, I think. Oh, what does it mean? That's his question. And when did we start calling it that, Pastor Glaze? You guys were listening to our previous episode, weren't you? Yeah, Epiphany, the day we celebrate the coming of the wise men. Epiphany is also the Feast of Light. So we know Jesus Christ is the light of the world, the light no darkness can overcome. And when you think about a light and epiphany, sometimes I like to picture a, a light bulb on the top of a head shining bright when somebody has an idea. Sometimes you see that in cartoons or in comics. That's an epiphany. It's a, a revelatory manifestation of something or a sudden insight. You think about something, you finally have understanding. In the church, we have readings about the revealing of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. So we hear about some of the miracles he did, some of the teachings he gave when he raised people back from the dead. We had the testimony of John the Baptist saying, I saw this happen to him. And at the end of the season of Epiphany, we had the transfiguration when Jesus goes to the mountaintop with three of his disciples and he transfigures before them. The light of his face is showing bright light to the disciples and a voice from heaven that says, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Epiphany is a season about learning who the one is that we listen to. Hearing about Jesus. The wise men did go all the way to visit him. And they beheld with their own eyes Jesus Christ, the light of the world. The light no darkness can overcome. Great question, Elias, especially that we are in the Epiphany season right now in the church. And we give thanks to God for shining upon us the light of Christ Jesus that we may know him. The light shines into our hearts to give us the revelation of Christ Jesus through his word as he comes to us. Thanks be to God. Why did you bring trouble on us? Bye.
We are almost done with our questions. We are on question number nine. This is from Helen, age eight, and she wants to know how did John the Baptist know that Jesus was coming? So I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that she's asking about when Mary visited Elizabeth and John leapt in her womb, knowing that this was Jesus, that this was the Lord. I know when babies. Don't see, but they hear. When they were talking, he knew Mary's voice because he had heard it. So he knew Jesus was in her tummy because he heard Mary's voice. Yes, somehow John knew that this was Jesus. Now remember, John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ, but how, as a baby, did he know that this was Jesus? You know, guys, you're not going to believe this, but I just talked about this very thing in Bible study this morning over at church. How awesome is that about John the Baptist knowing Jesus? Because in our readings in church on Sunday this week and last week, it was about the baptism of Jesus, and John the Baptist even said, "I myself didn't know that it was him until the one that told me to go baptize." Told me also that the one upon whom you see the Spirit descend and remain—that is Him. So, Helen, I think your question could be both about the time when John the Baptist leapt in the womb of Elizabeth at the voice of Mary, and also about the time when John the Baptist was baptizing and Jesus comes to him. How did John the Baptist know that Jesus was coming? Simply put, God told him. Now, you mentioned here about the babies in the womb. They can hear. Of course they can. And Elizabeth identifies the leaping of John the Baptist as him identifying the good news that Christ has come among them. And that's John's job. He's got a big finger, you know. He points to Jesus. That's the whole purpose of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, to point to Jesus' coming. And so when the time came... For John's public ministry to begin near the Jordan River, God sent him out to baptize. John says, "God sent me out to baptize and to begin this ministry, to prepare the people for the coming of the Lord." When Jesus came to John to be baptized, John said to Jesus initially, "I should be baptized by you, but you come to be baptized by me." Yeah, they were cousins, and John the Baptist knew the life of Jesus. I'm sure that he knew he was a goody two shoes. Maybe they called him that. Who knows? Because he was perfect. He never sinned. So John knew that Jesus didn't need baptism for repentance because he never sinned. But then in John chapter one, John the Baptist does say, "I would not have known him except the Lord who sent me to baptize." Said, "Upon the one whom you see the Spirit descending and remain, that's the one who is to come, the Savior." So John the Baptist knew, because God told him. You also know, though, about Jesus' coming, because God tells us where He comes in His Bible. He comes among us, where two or three are gathered in My name. There I am with them. In church, He comes among us, and on the last day He will come again. And how do you know when Jesus will come? Because all eyes will see Him, and we will all finally say, "Hooray!" There will also be a trumpet sounding, and the voice of the archangel will speak. Here He comes. This is the one, and we will rejoice and welcome Him as He comes to us too. Thank you, Helen. Great question about John the Baptizer. Joshua, hey.
And we have reached our very last question for this very special 100th episode. This was our last question submitted by Rebecca and Micah, and they have a question regarding the Dead Sea Scrolls. They want to know how were the Dead Sea Scrolls rolled, or how were they held? Were they rolled left to right, or were they held top to bottom? I'm already getting head shakes from our kiddos here in the studio. They are not sure about this question at all. They do not know the answer. So we're going to go ahead and toss it on over to Pastor Glaze to let us know how were the Dead Sea Scrolls rolled or held. What are the Dead Sea Scrolls? You guys don't want to take a crack at this one. You tried the other ones. All I understand. We're going to get into a little bit of archaeology for this one. The Dead Sea Scrolls are are some ancient Jewish and and Hebrew religious manuscripts that were discovered sometime in the 40s and the 50s, 1940s and 1950s. They were were in the Qumran Caves uh, near the Dead Sea. That's over in the Middle East, near the area where Jesus walked and lived and the church began. They are very, very, very old, and they have great historical and religious significance. That also helps the language a little bit, too, because they include some of the oldest surviving manuscripts of entire books of the Bible, along with a few other things as well. So biblical scholars have used these numerous times for evidence and for the facts that the Bible that we have today is the same as the one that was written originally. Very cool. Now, when I've been able to look at parts of the Dead Sea Scrolls in museums, I've only seen fragments of it because parts and pieces of them are on display. Now, doing a little more research on it myself because, yeah, although we know what they are, it's not something that I am very familiar with. It looks like the scrolls they found were rolled from left to right. They were written in the languages of Hebrew with some Aramaic and some Greek written in it, too. The languages of Hebrew and Aramaic, those are unique languages because they're written and read from right to left. English, of course, is read from left to right. Hebrew and Aramaic also have different characters for letters, even some pictures. Thanks be to God for the ability that we have to translate languages so that we can understand what they mean. The Dead Sea Scrolls are very significant for history and for Christians, too because they do contain those copies of the Old Testament books which agree with the writings we have today and the writings we still have from ancient times. So the Dead Sea Scrolls are a really cool archaeological thing, and and the way they initially were found is kind of a cool story on its own. There were some shepherds out in the area, and there was a cave, and, and sometimes I hear about rocks being thrown, and then they hear a jar breaking, and they ran to see what it was. But other reports have something else, and that is uh, one of the shepherds kind of fell into the cave. And in that cave, he saw these jars with these scrolls in them and took them back home, and they started looking at them and realizing, what are we going to do with these? And they eventually they got into the hands of scholars and in a museum, and And all of these great findings took place. Thanks be to God for his word, which lasts through generations 
and his word will last forever. Thank you, Rebecca and Micah, for your question. Very much appreciated. And for all the questions that were asked today, are we about done, Mary Faith? Because I'm getting really tired and my brain is really starting to hurt from all these great questions. I really appreciate this 100th episode that we did today. I know it's a little bit longer, but as I tell my Bible classes, we don't often get opportunities to ask pastors questions. So when you go to Sunday school and when you go to Bible study, ask your questions. Find the answers in God's Word. And know that no question is a silly question. No question is a dumb question. Because if you have the question, I'm sure somebody else has it too. And pastors love to answer questions. Because what we have for you is God's pure and true word. Written down for us to share to all generations. As God wants you to know about Christ his son, our Savior. And yes, that does wrap up our special 100th episodes. We actually turned them into two parts because your questions were so wonderful. And we thank each and every one of you for submitting them and letting our kids and Pastor Glaze answer them for you. We have a wonderful new season of Donuts and Devos coming up in just a while. We are going to take a short break to give us some time to work on our next season. And we will come back in March with new devotions as well as new guests who are going to be part of our show. We think you can use this time to go back and catch up on any devotions you might have missed or maybe just want to like re-listen to because that's always fun to do. I know our kids like to listen to Donuts and Devos multiple times over. We thank you so much for your support and we're very excited for where this next new year and next 100 episodes will take us. I'm Mary Faith, and you've been listening to Donuts and Devos, where we connect kids to Christ and fill them with joy and Jesus' peace. Bye, kids. See you next time. With Donuts and Devos. With Donuts and Devos.